What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Game Podcast. We are back with our part two of our deep dive series into the Lord of the Rings Extended Edition, the entire trilogy. This is part two where we are diving into the Two Towers. Um, if you have not watched our review slash deep dive into Fellowship of the Ring, highly recommend you pause this. And then if I remember, I'm going to put the video somewhere here-ish for you to click on. Uh, probably going to forget, not going to lie. Uh, otherwise, you can just search for it in our uh, our playlist, our deep dive playlist as well. But continuing what we left off from Fellowship of the Ring, I have with me Crescent Johnson. Hello, sir. Hello, sirs. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say something, but uh, I didn't want to have to edit that out. <laughs> Go with it, sir. <laughs> I'm going to be a good boy on this one. Uh, we also have Nick Ziegler. Howdy, howdy. And then, like I said, the same crew from Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, really, really loved that deep dive into uh, that first movie. And like I said for the uh, the first episode, this is our first deep dive into an actual movie. We have done... Uh, the last Ronin. We have also done a couple of video games on top of that. So first time that we're actually diving into a uh, a trilogy or a movie or anything like that. So as per the normal with our deep dives, we're going to give you our overall impressions of the movie, and then we're going to jump into a few fun facts, and then we will recap slash review the two towers. We'll start off from the very beginning, and then I'll just go through the entire storyline. I have my notes wrote down uh, in between the the little story tidbits to kind of take a break and kind of talk about specific scenes. And if uh, Nick or Creston, if you feel like you need to stop and mention something, by all means, just let me know. Uh, but yeah, I am super excited to to talk about the two towers, mainly because no future spoilers. But we we just went from one of the best movies of all time. And then now we're going to the two towers. Going to be very excited to, uh, very interesting to hear our thoughts on this. And I will say this: I had some, I guess, I guess some thoughts going into the movie. I, I think my thoughts have changed ever so slightly uh, after watching this extended edition. Ever so slightly, uh, that much. And as per what Nick said in our pre-show segment, um, yes, I am used to that much. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our overall impressions, guys. Creston, what do you think about the two towers? I mean, overall, I like all three. It's no secret. It's probably my least favorite of the three. Not saying I didn't like it, you know, but if I was ranking them, you know, it would be third. Um, but but again, it has to be number three, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's only one minute. I mean, overall, though, you know, it's a great movie. Lots of action, uh, great storytelling. You know, it follows pretty closely to the books, you know, I guess in comparison to the other two. Um, but yeah, overall, I liked it, you know, for sure. I mean, Helm's Deep, who doesn't like that, you know? Not to skip ahead, but, you know. <laughs> the fucking cherry on the side. Sir, are you trying to you trying to tease us uh, uh the very beginning of the, the fucking episode? Come on, flamethrower, man. 
<laughs> just just teasing the tip a little bit. <laughs> Nick, what about you? Uh, I'm with Creston. I mean, I can't lie. I love the entire series. So um, as far as a sequel goes, this is probably in the top five for best sequels ever made to a movie. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, look, just look, look if we're going off the record of sequels. Look, this is the I, I said it on the last episode. Or if I didn't, I'm saying it now. This is the best trilogy ever made. Ever. Absolutely. And while I get into it, and I'll mention this again in a minute. This is the only I guess I don't want to call it a franchise because then we're, we're going to call the we're going to bring in the Hobbit and and all those movies and I really haven't I haven't seen those movies. Um, I mean I've seen the first two, haven't seen the last one, so I don't want to really make this this huge point here. But all three movies are in my top twenty five. No other trilogy, anything like that, is is in my the entire trilogy inside my top twenty five. Like Lord of the Rings is. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, I, I think I would agree. This is the least favorite out of a three. And as kind of Creston mentioned, uh, somebody has to be last. You know, somebody has to be last. Uh, when we dive into the actual storyline, I might rant a little bit. I might rant a bit a little bit. So I should go ahead and just throw it out there to begin with. The reason why this is probably my the least favorite out of the, out of the three it's mainly because of the ints and that storyline. Oh God! <laughs> On the head, sir. On the head. <laughs> On the head. Into the watch. <laughs> Those are tough scenes. Like, I just find them so uninteresting, and I don't know if it's the way they decided on the vocal delivery of the trees, but Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, you know, and I, I, we're not going to bring the books into it as much, but the books did a much better job. With the ends, the end storyline was a lot more interesting in the books that, than it was played out. In Absolutely. Movies. Well, you can yeah. read it faster too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what Creston had told me the other day. He was, it's so much better in the books. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, the last on the flip side, though, like they got them spot on. They don't get in a hurry for anything. So no, I mean yeah. they they did it correctly, but they could have done it a little bit better. No doubt. No you know, sometimes translating material from book to movie, you know, sometimes you, you got to make sacrifices and you don't have to hit it on the fucking tee. You know what I'm saying? You can just you can change it up a little bit for the movie and make it better for the movie. It's it's OK. I think they made the best out of it for sure. It was a lot of information. Yeah, the book, had a, the book had a lot of stuff going on in it and they they cut out a good pit of the uh, the storyline just to make it flow and made the movie carry on. Cause I mean, if they would have done, Oh no, book, don't do that. Well, if they would have done it by the book, <laughs> this movie alone would have been 10 hours. <laughs> Plus, oh, could you fucking imagine? Yeah. Yeah. And we're still halfway through the end storyline. We're 10 hours into it now. So, <laughs> but yeah, Overall, I still love this movie through and through. The last hour of this movie is some of the best sequences in any film ever. Uh, the Battle of Helm Deep, Helm's Deep is spectacular and might be the best battle sequence ever filmed for a movie, TV show, or, and whatnot. I, 
honestly, I think Helm's Deep is. I I don't know if I want to say this right now, having not watched the third one and reviewed it, but I would say that's probably the best like sequence filmed in a in the trilogy is, is that entire battle sequence. It is just so fucking good. Um, but that's that's saying a lot because uh, there's a lot of amazing moments in this in the series. Uh, some of the CGI didn't age as well. Um, as you go through this movie, and it's mainly with the uh, the Ents and uh, Pippin and Mary kind of sitting on top of them. Uh, but look, I mean, it's pretty damn good for being in 2023. Okay, like think, there are some movies out there that don't look as good as this movie does. Yeah, Gollum kind of uh, Gollum's lighting seemed off compared to the people side by side with him. It was like the light was coming from a completely different direction. Yes, I will agree with that. I will definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, like I said, top 25 movie for me personally. Only trilogy to have all three movies in a trilogy inside my top 25. Um, the issue with this movie, okay, the extended edition, because that's the one we're kind of diving into. <laughs> I I don't think the extended edition makes this movie better. I think it actually hurts it a little bit. Um, and I, I have some notes down down below when we actually get to those moments. But there are some like little plot uh, plot holes. One big one towards the very end of the movie, and then they obviously add more int stuff, and that's not a good thing in my opinion. <laughs> but they also have uh, Faramir and Boromir stuff that actually improves on that relationship, improves on that character uh, development. So it's kind of like it's not it's not perfect by any means. Um, I, I would rather watch the theatrical version. If I, if you had to put both of these next to me and say, which one was the best version, the theatrical version is the better movie. I think the better film. Now, am I ever going to watch the theatrical version again? Probably not. But if I had to say which one was the actual better film, theatrical is probably the better one. I'm going to disagree with you on that. Just because, just because the extended edition has Sean Bean in it automatically better. It's hard to argue with that. I yeah. argue with it. Look, <laughs> look he's I'm not sick. Like <laughs> he's got that good. At least he didn't die in this movie. This is a movie he didn't die in, right? But no, I, 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 again, they, they flash back and he dies again. <laughs> I've a different way. He's like, oh. But no, I, I, I think moving forward, like this is the second time I've watched the extended editions. Like I'm going to only ever watch the extended editions, but in terms of having a concise story told intelligently and flows very well with great pacing, uh, no, not as many plot holes. Then I would say the theatrical version is uh, is a little bit superior in comparison to the uh, the extended edition. But I mean, fuck it, to do this. This movie's five stars regardless. I mean, fuck it. Who cares? Uh, let's see. Jump into some of the fun facts before we hop into the actual storyline. This movie is directed again by Peter Jackson, who directed the Hobbit trilogy, King Kong, the Lovely Bones, and the Frighteners. This movie had a budget of ninety-four million dollars, and it grossed nine hundred and forty-eight point nine million dollars. I'm very curious to know what Return of the King will have grossed. Um. What was that compared to Lord uh, to Fellowship? I can't remember. Uh, let's see here, eight ninety eight. So fifty million dollars more. 
What was the budget? The pretty much the same. Uh, this one had a, okay. this one had a million dollars more. Okay. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to know because you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's a second movie. I'll just wait for the third one to come out, and we'll just waste our money that way. It that doesn't make any sense when people say it like that. But I'm I'm curious to know how many people flooded the theater for the third one in comparison to uh, the first two. It stars Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Orlando Bloom, Viggo Mortensen. The theatrical version has a runtime of two hours and 59 minutes, while the extended edition has three hours and 55 minutes. And it's an extra uh, 45 minutes of actual film. So I think there's like 10 minutes of of uh, credits on this. And it was released. We're coming up on the 21-year anniversary, guys, of this fucking movie. December 18th, 2002. Next uh, let's see. In a couple of days, I think uh, the third one will be twenty years old. Motherfucker, man, we're getting old. No, I was about to say we'll be uh, we'll be recording right around the uh, third one's anniversary. Yep. All right, so guys, the notes for this is insane. This is a long fucking movie. So y'all go ahead, sit down, get you get you something to drink. Okay, maybe get you a little a little snacky snack. And let's fucking get ready to talk about the two towers. So the film starts off with a bang as we return to the scene where Gandalf faces off against the Balrog. But this time, we get to see what actually happens after he falls into the uh, the pit of despair. But with that being said, this is a dope falling fight sequence. And I forgot how long that fall is. It's like extremely long. Okay, hey, I am not criticizing. I'm just, I'm just acknowledging how long of a fall that is. Which, that by the way, it pans out after he's like where the water's underneath, and it pans out, and it's just like the slow, yeah, and you just see the hole and fire and water beneath. That was yeah, that really puts it in perspective for right. sure. I really dig the cinematic nature of that scene. Uh, as they fall, and like you mentioned, the whole cave system opens up, and the camera kind of zooms all the way out uh, as they're falling. The score to match that scene, fucking phenomenal, by the way. I mean, the whole damn score is amazing. Well, and uh, to bring back the the most heart-wrenching part of the first movie, and you get thrown right back into it at the beginning of the second movie. <laughs> Why are you making me relive this? <laughs> I just got over it. <laughs> right? <laughs> But one thing that I will say, and I, this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, guys, uh, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this. But when, you know what? I can't do it. Future spoilers. I will come back to that. Okay. Future spoilers. Way to blue ball me. <laughs> All right. So, Fro- <laughs> hey, I'm about teasing the tip, guys. Like that, that's, that's how you build, that's how you build people to uh, keep watching your content. Just tease it. All right, so Frodo wakes up. Frodo and Sam journey alone but do not know the way to Mordor. They need a guide, someone who has been there before. The ring is getting heavier for Frodo to carry. It is having its evil effects on the little hobbit. They journey on, but Frodo realizes Gollum is in pursuit. Uh, He attacks them in their sleep for his precious, but it is a trap. A fight ensues. 
Gollum nearly kills Sam, but Sting saves the day. They enslave Gollum and ask him to guide them to Mordor. Uh, side note, for someone that is trying to steal something, especially a ring that is like highly sought after, um, you think you would be a little more quiet as you sneak up on him. I mean, the dude is practically yelling all the way down this fucking cliff. I mean, not the smartest thing, not the smartest plan. I'm not judging by any means, but I'm just saying maybe not maybe not the best thing he could have done <laughs> going down this fucking mountain. He's like, my precious motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Aragorn and the remaining fellowship, Gimli and Legolas, are behind the Urukai who smell them and increase their pace. Rohan is home to the horse lords. Something evil brews there, Legolas remarks. Merry and Pippin are being taken to Isengard. Saruman sends the rebels, the wild men of Rohan, to regain their home in the horse lands. Uh, it begins, Rohan, Saruman remarks, Theodred, the son of Theoden, the king of Rohan, dies due to illness. Uh, Eowyn, his sister, only has the support of cousin Eomor, uh, son of Eomund. The king of Rohan is ruled by a dark witch, Grimma, installed there by Saruman himself. He has no will of his own. He orders not to attack and defend Rohan. Uh, the city will fall. Eomer and the men loyal to him are banished by Grimma in retaliation for their infidelity. Uh, the orcs and Urukai stop for a breather, and Eomer's uh, company ambushes them. They kill all the orcs. King Theoden recognizes no one. He has lost control of himself and is in a deep slumber. Uh, Grimma's spell has cast an ugly and unfortunate old age on him. Uh, by the way, I did not write any of this, so if it sounds weird and cheesy, not for me, guys. Okay, Not for me. Uh, Eomer reveals he and his company have been banished to the Fellowship. They reveal they left none alive but do not know about the hobbits. They might be dead. Who knows? Legolas finds one of the wee belts of Pippin in the pile of burning bodies. Aragorn kicks on an iron helmet in frustration. Now, a little fun fact for y'all out there. Um, this is the scene where Viggo Mortensen, who plays Aragorn, uh, broke his foot as he didn't know the helmet was made of real iron. He still went through with the scene, and the grimace you see is actually real. So when he screams out loud, Yes, he is acting, but he is actually being for real. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> so Aragorn notices the hobbits crawling. He follows the trail to deduce they're still alive. The tracks lead into Fangorn Forest. A flashback shows that they climbed upon trees to escape the orc chasing them. Then suddenly a tree comes alive and kills it. It reveals that it is an int called Treebeard and... This is where the bullshit starts. <laughs> An int is a shepherd of the trees, he reveals. Uh, Merry and Pippin reveal their hobbits, but Treebeard hasn't heard of them before. He is angry at the orcs for destroying the forest. He throws them in front of the white wizard, Saruman, and their fate is all but written. Gollum leads them through the swamps, a way the orcs don't know of. The dead marshes have faces of of death beneath the water. They're from the uh, war ages ago, Gollum tells them. Uh, Frodo falls into the waters and is almost capsized by the ghost, but Gollum saves them, and they're closer than ever to Mordor. So I do want to stop for just a second, and let's talk about some lore and shit like that. I've always wondered this. 
So do all of the dead people cause like a trance on Frodo to make him fall face first in the water? I mean, do y'all know any like extra details on this particular um, aspect of the story in regards to like the book? Uh, Creston, you're reading the book right now. Are you there yet? Because that was months ago for me and I can't remember. I don't think it's specific um, as far as if it's the actual dead in there that are calling to him or if it's the uh, the power of the ring influencing him. Um, maybe a combination of both. So is it kind of like when Isidore was got betrayed, you know, the ring abandoned him and whatnot? Is this like the ring just trying to abandon Frodo and just trying to trance him into drowning in this fucking water? Right, right. Okay. All right. I've always been curious like that. I'm like, such a random thing to happen in the movie that they don't really explain uh, a whole lot. So I was just curious. Um, in the night, Frodo caresses the ring as Gollum babbles about his obsession with it. <laughs> and babbles is pretty spot on for what he fucking does with it. Uh, then Frodo calls him Smeagol, his real name. Suddenly, the ring wraiths appear behind them. Wraiths on wings, uh, proclaims Smeagol. Uh, but they hide successfully, owing to Gollum's quick thinking. They call out for the ring, and it suffocates Frodo for a while, but Sam helps him bear the pain. Uh, ring wraiths on Felbeast, fucking dope. I said it last I said it last episode. I'm going to reiterate it on this episode. I still prefer the horses. <laughs> this guy here. The, can't, the can't, horses can't. definitely have a certain pizzazz, but those fell beasts. Those things are nasty, man. Okay. I will play devil's advocate here. I think the cooler of the two is definitely him riding the fell beast. Okay. But if you, you know, with, with the first movie, that whole sequence where they're, where they're riding and trying to escape the, uh, the ring wraiths all together and they go to meet strider and whatnot that whole sequence has like a like a horror-esque feel to it them on horses feels more horror-esque to me more, rather than them menacing. being on Philby's. Hmm? more menacing more menacing that that yeah yeah that's probably the best way to say it <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> do you know where they got the horses from from their horse mothers Rohan. is this a trick question Rohan from the horse lords yeah from the horse lords they went oh. the look at that look at that no I did not know that so Legolas Aragorn and Gimli cross over into the forest to look for the hobbits Legolas says the white wizard approaches them um, but it is Gandalf, not Saruman. He came back from the ruins to complete his task. He defeated the Balrog, but it is not Gandalf the Grey who has come back. It is Gandalf the White who was reborn in Grey's body and has been sent to complete his mission. They must ride to Edoras. Probably fucking saying that wrong. Uh, at all speeds is what it says. Um, so did you did you notice whenever? The uh, the white wizard showed up, his voice. Yes, I haven't heard yes. about that. Started off. Oh, did you? Okay, I'll yeah. let you go with it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how they dubbed Christopher, uh, Sir Christopher Lee's voice over Ian McKellen's to make you think it was actually Saruman. 
they kind of was just, a nice touch. They kind of waved back and forth. Like he'd say a few things, and then mm-hmm. yeah. So we're gonna take a break for here for just a second, okay? Because one, we gotta talk about some lore, and then two, I gotta talk about the scene at the very beginning of the movie that I said I would uh, get back to in just a few minutes. So he's fallen down this cave, right, with the Balrog. And he's fighting him. Dope fucking scene, right? And it goes into this the open area with a bunch of water and shit like that, right? Now, the where they originally were when they when he originally fell down, they were inside like kind of a mountain-esque area, right? They were they were at the base of the mountain uh, in the middle of it, yes. Okay. So he's falling and falling. And falling. And falling. And then makes it to this open area with all the water, right? But when he recounts the th- that point in time when he's fighting the Balrog, they end up on a mountain. Yes. So do we can we can we do y'all know anything about that? Like um <laughs> it it throws me off. A little bit. I'm like, so, but you just you were inside a mountain and you fell down into a cave. Yeah, How did you that get... battle was a lot longer? That, that battle takes place what? It's a week long battle. It's it's a long time. Yeah, no, they fight for like seven days for something like that. And at some point, Gandalf gets the upper hand, so the Balrog runs up a flight of stairs to try and get away from him and makes it all the way up to the top of the mountain, which is where they finish the battle at. Oh, see, that's that's why it's good to know the books, man. I've always wondered that. Like, how did you fucking end up on a mountain? Like, this makes no sense. <laughs> he kind it of alludes like... to it when he talks about it in the movie, the the lowest dungeons to the highest peaks, starting uh, off at yeah. the bottom and then finishing at the top. Like the only thing I can think of, and this is not going to be the first time I mentioned this series. Uh, on this particular episode, because I have a note later on. But uh, it made me think of Nick in regards to Game of Thrones when they were just speeding through everything. I was like, I, I feel like Nick would hate this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you care to have an opinion, sir? I didn't mind the cut. I didn't mind the, he doesn't mind this cut. We, we like could do the full so, battle in so, the, the extended edition. Yeah, well, so, sorry, uh, um, sorry, Gandalf doesn't even really talk about it. He's like, yeah, now this happened. We fought down underneath the mountain for a little bit, and then the battle rag ran away, and I chased him, and we made it to the top of the mountain, and then I kicked his ass. That's That pretty much sums up what Gandalf said. So, I mean, they didn't really need... There was no, I did this on the staircase, and he did this. It was just, we started down there, he ran away, I chased him up a flight of stairs. We need the Snyder cut of this. <laughs> <laughs> Or really, once once the Balrog started fleeing, Gandalf was like riding on his back, and the Balrog knew the secret passage to get up to the top, but Gandalf actually didn't. So he was riding on his back as he was fleeing away from him. How dope would that that image be, sir? If we saw him riding the back of him, that'd be <laughs> fucking awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so the other aspect of this that um that I'm 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 curious about, okay? So he comes back from he was he was Gandalf the Gray, now he's Gandalf the White, okay? Mm-hmm. 
what's the lore behind him coming back? But like he's Gandalf, but he's not Gandalf. So he's like someone completely different. So wizards can't die. Or they, they die, but they don't die. So his body died, but his spirit stays alive. His spirit traveled back to Valinor, where Iluvatar reincarnates him with a power-up. Oh, see? That's nice. See, Basically, he good. came back as Saruman. He says, I am Saruman, or as he should have been, whenever he comes back. So, like, the, the, the reincarnation of Saruman as he should have been. So technically, he's Saruman. He's not. He's not really Gandalf. Well, he's still. He's still the spirit of Gandalf. He's just who Saruman should have been, because Saruman was sent as the leader of the wizards, and so he. So they're all the wizards are Maiar. When they get sent to Middle Earth, they are the Astari, which are wizards, but they don't. They're not at a hundred percent power level. They they get their powers knocked down when they come to Middle Earth. When Gandalf, are they below, are they below or over nine thousand? They will say like at three thousand. <laughs> so Gandalf died. His body died. He gets sent back to Valinor, heaven, essentially, and then Iluvatar reincarnated him back to Middle Earth, and then gave him a power boost and opened up his available power to say, let's say he's now at 9,000. He's over 9,000! So, he is almost at, <laughs> he's almost at his full strength as a Maiar, now on Middle-Earth as an Astar. Got it. Actually, I would, I would have preferred them to dive deeper into that, more than the Ents aspect of the storyline with the Extended Edition. Um, that's more of the, um, that's not, that's not Lord of the Rings that's that's uh, some of and all that stuff. Oh, uh, where they talk know, about still, still, still to pull from it a little bit. Some stuff. Yeah, still in <laughs> Yeah. Uh, let's see where I'm at. My notes. Gandalf calls his horse Shadowfax. Uh, he is Lord of all horses. Uh, Treebeard is instructed by Gandalf to keep the Hobbit safe. He explains the anger of trees on being mercilessly cut down. Uh, Gollum has finally led the Hobbits to the Black Gate of Mordor. Sam and Frodo are almost caught as the former falls from the cliff and towards the gate. Gollum stops them from being stops him from going through the gate and speaks of another way to go into Mordor steps and then a tunnel. Um, so there are some scenes here in the extended edition involving Mary Pippin and Treebird. Uh, here's the thing. And I've already mentioned this. The ends are the weakest aspect of the entire trilogy by far. Okay. And the extended edition gives you more of that bullshit. Um, so it doesn't doesn't help it whatsoever in terms of uh, of giving you more scenes for an extended edition. Um, again, I recognize it. I I know y'all say the book is better, um, and it could be a potentially solid subplot to the series. Um, and I have no issues watching it. Like I'm not over here like skipping the fucking scenes or anything like that. 
Uh, but it's definitely my least favorite part of the trilogy by a long shot. Not even fucking close. They they really don't add anything to the progression of the story, really. I mean, I get that. Right. They had that ten minute battle where they just mopped up Isengard. But it, I mean, yes. even the what they what they added from the extended edition, like you hear about the Entwives, so they don't go into the Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they add that scene with the uh, with the tree, the the tree roots trying to eat them, which didn't even take place in this book. That happened in Fellowship, in right <laughs> in the Barrow Woods, with a different forest. Uh, actually, I don't want. That's how that's how they met Tom Bombadil in the Fellowship. Was the roots trying to eat Merry and Pippin, the old willow? Yep. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna mention it next next episode. So I don't want to do future spoilers. Um my least one of my other least favorite moments in the entire trilogy happens in the third movie. But over the last couple of years, because I, I watch this every single year, right around the same time, um, it has grown on me actually, and it actually got better with the extended edition. Uh, so I, I will mention that uh, for the third episode. Again, tease the tip just a little bit. I do wish they would have added some more discussion on with from Gandalf about shadow effects. Yeah, like... Um... So it makes it... The movie kind of makes it sound like uh, he's like the white wizard's horse. But that's not how that happens. <laughs> yeah, they, he he just mentions it, and he's like, he, he, like he's this badass horse, which he fucking is. I mean, let's not cut any corners. So, he, he's a fucking badass looking horse, but like they don't really dive into that whatsoever. So in the book, after Gandalf gets rescued from the top of Isengard by the Eagles, they fly him to Rohan, and that's when he discovers that Theoden is corrupted. So Theoden tells Gandalf to leave Rohan and never come back, but allows him to choose one horse to leave with. <clears throat> and Shadowfax is the horse that he chooses from Rohan. Badass horse. Just yeah. It's even future spoilers for uh, coming up here in just a few minutes. For a moment that happens, Creston... I mean, Nick, you probably know what I'm talking about, but me and Creston have talked about this uh, previously and most badass-looking moments in the uh, trilogy. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Full fucking load. <laughs> when I watched it, people were pregnant within a mile radius, at least. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, so Sam resists, but Frodo says he trusts him in regards to the uh, the whole Mordor shit. Uh, Gandalf rides with Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas to Adarus. Am I saying that right? Adarus? Adarus. Adarus. And the Golden Hall of... What is that word? Is? Uh, Eowyn <laughs> reveals to him that his son is dead. Grimma has his eyes on Eowyn. Gandalf and everyone else arrive in the hall where Grimma's men take their weapons except Gandalf's staff. Uh, Grimma's men then try to take it on his command, but the trio wades them off as Gandalf goes to free Theoden from the spell. 
But Saruman laughs in Gandalf's face, saying Gandalf the Grey has no power in these halls. That is when Gandalf throws away his gray shawl, whips out his big old fucking dong, and reveals he is Gandalf the White. Bruh. When he fucking opens up and just starts walking and then tries to lift the curse, fucking badass. It's fucking badass. It's a big time power move. Yeah, that <laughs> right, was a good season, too, where they aged him back to normal. Oh, yes. Yes. I I always try to look at that scene, and I go, all right, maybe this year is when it doesn't look that good, but it, it always fucking looks good. Yep. Always. Uh, so he, van- he vanquishes Saruman from Theoden's body, and the King of Rohan finally wakes again, his face turning back almost centuries. Grimma is exiled, and then Theoden inquires about Theodred, realizing his son is dead. He mourns for him as Gandalf reminds him of his higher duty to the crown. Um, so, we'll... in the extended edition, I want to say the theatrical version does not have the funeral, correct? Do y'all remember? Correct. correct. And the theatrical edition has, I mean, the the extended edition has the actual funeral of his son. I think the theatrical edition works better. If you, when you watch the extended edition here, it feels choppy to me. It feels like we skipped, uh, it feels like there's something like missing from that whole segment. Whereas if they just cut that out altogether, it flows so much better. Now, Am I saying it's bad to show the funeral and we we don't need that in the movie? No, but it feels like there was like a a a, a scene or something missing in between those two segments uh, that would have made it flow a little bit better. I don't know if y'all noticed there, that. Yeah, it, it it was. It was definitely a hard cut. Um, in the it, I'm gonna reference the book again as um the fellowship is approaching Edoras. They come upon the funeral mounds that are covered in this specific flower, and that flower is what covers the graves of all of the kings of Rohan. So it kind of goes into the history of all of that in the book before they even make it into Edoras, and then that proceeds on with the story. Which I think yeah, seeing the mounds was a nice touch. Kind of, yeah, it would it would have balanced it out a little bit more to where you see it from the beginning. You go to Edoras, and then you go to a funeral service where you just came from. Agreed. So Theoden refuses to engage in open war. He decides to empty the city and take refuge in Helm's Deep, Rohan's impregnable <laughs> fortress. <laughs> just know I would never have used that word. And see, I don't like I, that I probably would have used that word. I don't like how they wrote this because in the book, Theoden was like gung ho for war. Like he was collecting armies to yeah. fight. And in this one, they kind of made him seem like a little bitch that just wanted to run and hide. But I think right. it he worked. Had, he had to I, be I think convinced. It, yeah, he had to be convinced. But I think it works for his character in this particular movie. Like if you separate the two. Obviously, I don't have the uh, the book knowledge, but I, I think it does help his character development when it starts right here. And then as we go into the third movie, no future spoilers, but I think this is a good little character arc for him um, as we move into the third movie. I guess I just it made him it made him seem weak, and I didn't like that because he was he was actually a pretty strong guy. 
he he comes across as not likable. Like when you watch these these first sequences, and if you don't know anything about the third movie, let's just say you're watching this for the first time. Which, if you're watching for this for the first time, um, one, I hope you have watched it prior to uh, watching this particular deep dive. Uh, second, Spoiler, where have you been way. all these years? <laughs> <laughs> if you have not seen this movie yet, something tells me you were born after nine eleven. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that. Like you, you are a wee lad, as they say. But he is not a likable character in this movie whatsoever. Yeah, um, I mean, he definitely is confrontational towards Aragorn, and it's it's you want to be king, why don't you effing stand up to it? And then he's just like, I'm the king. So unless you want to actually do your job that you're supposed to be doing for the last eighty seven years, uh. That's a, that's a great point because we're slowly kind of getting little bits of Aragorn's development here where Gandalf is kind of telling him that, you know, Theoden will need Aragorn and the people of Rohan will need him before it's all said and done. You know, it's already laying those breadcrumbs like Aragorn. You're going to have to bro. You're going to have to whip out your dick, man. And you're going to fucking accept your destiny and whether you want to or not. And you're going to have to fucking lay it on these fucking these people's, you know, right the fuck there, you know. And you're gonna have to take up that mantle. So we're kind of slowly getting those those little tidbits of 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 development towards him, kind of taking that mantle. And while we're on the subject, I think Aragorn, like I know the next movie is called Return of the King. This particular movie, I think he does a lot, a lot of legwork in this movie. And I think Viggo Mortensen did a great job of acting in this. I mean, he did, he did a great job in all three, but he was an all-star in this movie. Like he was definitely one of the better characters uh, written for this particular movie. And I just, I loved, I'm biased because I love the character anyways, but I think Aragorn's character in this movie is, is really what skyrockets him up as one of the best characters in the, in the trilogy. He was definitely a main character in the movie. I mean, like, he's technically a main character in all three of them, but he was one of two main characters in this movie alone. Yeah, it was like they, 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 they focused on him a lot more yeah, in like, this movie. The next movie, he's not like he's a main, but he's not a big focus. They got a lot of other characters going on in the next movie, and he's just a part of it. Oh shit. Um I forgot what I was gonna say. I forgot what I was gonna say. Fuck. Uh, oh, um speaking of characters that are like Aragorn being like the main main character, I guess I didn't really realize like through two movies, Legolas doesn't really have a ton of shit he, he, that he does. Well, he literally says one line to Frodo the entire mm -hmm. trilogy. And like other than being of, just it's a bunch of one-liners is it i mean i'm not disappointed in it i mean i just wish he, there was more of him i don't know i just i never realized that until actually doing the deep dive and kind of doing it from a critical eye perspective just how little he actually contributes in like actually being a, a you know developed character and whatnot like he does a lot like like he's fucking slaying bitches let me let's just be honest yeah, he's he's different. He's a lot different in the books. 
The movie did not give him enough screen time. Yeah, I'm gonna need more. Dude, dude, savage. All right. So Gandalf goes to search for something and leaves Aragorn with these words. Look to my coming for something. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what? What is it? Something? (laughs) Like I said, I did not write this. I'm gonna go look for a clover, guys. I'll be back in a few days. (laughs) You know, like when you're uh. When you tell when you try tell like a white lie to somebody and like you haven't really thought of the excuse that you're gonna use, but I'm gonna go, hey, I gotta go like do something like the next day. <laughs> like, bro, you couldn't have thought of something to lie to me about. <laughs> uh look to my coming at first light on the fifth day. At dawn, look to the east. Uh Grimma goes to Saruman with the information that Theoden will leave the city and go to Helm's Deep. Saruman instructs warg riders to intercept the people of Rohan in the mountains. Tension grows between Sam and Frodo. The latter is growing more possessive of the ring, and that is affecting him. And he's not really showing Sam the attention that he deserves. So he's getting all kind of butthurt about it. Um, and it's kind of taking a hold of him. Shout out to that. Um, speaking of shout out, he shouts at Sam, and then he reminds Frodo that he is increasingly becoming like Gollum. Frodo says he wants to save Smeagol, but Sam doesn't believe he can. Smeagol and Gollum debate what to do with the hobbits. The former asks the latter to leave him forever because the master will protect him. Uh, I really love the scene just because this is the first real scene that we get where we see the, like, the dual personalities of Smeagol. And I know we've gotten it up to this point, but it feels like we get like an extended scene here of those dual personalities. Um, just fantastic, like fantastic, but super fucking creepy acting from Andy Serkis. Uh, really love, love the scene. I like how they did the subtle change in just his eyes to mm-hmm. make you know if it was Gollum or Smeagol talking. Yeah, it goes from like big round eyes to more like pinpoint, like jaded, pointy. Yeah. Uh, Start to get a little taste of uh, Frodo, getting uh, a taste of the ring's power, his split personality coming off. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I did notice it before, but I just never, like, thought deeply about it. But, yeah, you're right. He 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 is starting to get those little tidbits of the dual personalities, just like Gollum and, and Smeagol. Which, by the way, does he not ever name his, his dual personality? I don't think it ever gets to that point. He fucking should have. That'd been that'd been cool. <laughs> <laughs> name himself Froyo. He didn't name himself Gollum. Sam's it, it was his village that named him Gollum. Uh, true. I mean it is what it is, okay. From the cough. From the cough. It sounded like Gollum. So that's what they started calling him. So Gollum dances his dance of freedom. He even brings food for Frodo. We get the famous line, potatoes, boil them, smash them, stick them in a stew. Um, As Smeagol and Sam debate how to eat it, Frodo follows the squeaking of a bird that leads him to an advancing army of wicked men, servants of Sauron. The Dark Lord is preparing for the final war to take over Middle-earth. All of a sudden, they're attacked by strange bowmen. Uh, they are also they also discover Sam and Frodo who are taken captive. Aragorn has a dream about Arwen. She reassures him that he is on the right path. He must remain strong and trust his instinct and the 
Devin Star, which will always keep him close to Arwen. Uh, in a flashback, Elrond asks Aragorn to let Arwen go to the west, the undying lands of Valinor. As she is mortal, her time is coming to an end, but she will be safe in the west. Aragorn understands and parts ways with Arwen. He gives her the Evanstar back, uh, but she lets him keep it. The party is under attack from Saruman's men. Theoden asks Eowyn to lead the men into Helm's Deep and remains with the riders to fight off the orcs. Um, a battle ensues, and the men fight valiantly and defeat the orcs, but Aragorn tumbles off the cliff with one of the wargs and is presumed dead. Legolas finds his Evanstar in one of the orcs' hands, but Theoden asks them to move forward without Aragorn because they cannot wait any longer. You know, this is honestly my least favorite scene of the movie. Huh? I don't know. I just, every time that battle happens, I'm just like, I don't know. Is it because you know the stark contrast? No, (laughs) no, it's nothing to do with the stark contrast in the book. It's just this, this one scene has always been the sleeper part of the movie. I fucking love this sequence. I did too. I like the wargs. And well, and that's another thing. Maybe maybe it's because the CGI in this scene doesn't hold up either. (laughs) Tomato tomato. Agree to disagree. And there's a lot of of CGI used in in this scene, and it just Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna be a hard disagree with you on this one, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Like I love this sequence. I, th- I think that the addition of the wargs uh, into the movie gives it a different feel in comparison to some of the other battles that takes place. Uh, kind of sets it apart for me. Um, and it's also, it's not the first war, but I mean, we get we get the uh, the Urukai at the very at the end of the last movie, and then this is kind of the what the first real battle that we get battle if you want to put air quotes around that in yeah, this two is, this towers. Is the- yeah, this is the first fight scene, we'll say. Yeah, so I'm, I'm fucking there for it, man. Helms deep. Yeah, right. <laughs> Getting you fluffed for it. Which, uh, I have I have a note. We haven't got to it yet, and I'll save it for when we get when we get to that point. Uh, I'm going to come back to this fucking scene though. Okay, so just 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 hold that thought. Uh, Eowyn successfully marches the people into the fortress. The king arrives to lead his people. Grimma lets uh, Saruman know of one weakness in the fortress, but the walls must be breached to take Helm's Deep. It will take thousands of men to do it. And then Saruman shows Grimma the Sea of Orcs, an army larger than he had ever seen. He announces war and the downfall of Earth, and they march on. Everyone watch. I'm going to stop you. Did you know the the scene where, uh, and this I think takes place more in the beginning of the movie in Isengard when they're they, they show them making more Urukai and they got the smiths working and everything else like that. The smiths that are the, the orc smiths that are in there are actually the smiths that made all of the armor and weapons for the whole trilogy. They put them in costume to give them some uh limelight. Oh, damn, that's pretty cool. Yep, that is. Hey, is there any uh, lore in the book about how long it takes to make one of these uh, Urukai or orcs? 
So there's no true. They never they never go into there's like three different or four different theories on how orcs are made. Some of them are bred, and then uh, they in this movie decided to go with their grown from the ground. Um, the original orcs were presumed to be, um, eviled elves, pretty much elves that they turned into orcs. But they, yeah, so this this movie went the route of they're grown from the ground, but there's no real lore behind it. Gotcha. Uh, let's see where I'm at. Aragorn washes ashore and is found by the horse Rego. Uh, the horse carries him to the fortress. Elrond says to Arwen that the last ship for Valnor is leaving, but she says there's still hope and she will wait for Aragorn. Elrond dissuades her from staying and predicts Aragorn's death soon enough. The Elvish Lord is gifted with the power of foresight and can look into the future. Arwen is unmoved by this. There's no breaking her will. Uh, eventually, though, the heart of the daughter melts with her father's tears. Galadriel warns Elrond that Rohan will be under attack. Saruman has summoned a mighty army, the likes of which the free world of men has seen for centuries. Sauron's eye will then turn to Gondor, the last free kingdom of the men. War will fall swiftly on it. Frodo begins to understand it in his heart. The quest will claim his life. Um, it is his destiny. The ring is working harder to find its master. The time of the elves is over. Now, the decision to be made is will they abandon Middle-earth or stay and fight on? Faramir, the young soldier in Gondor's army, has taken Frodo and Sam captive. His aide informs him of Saruman's marching army and Rohan's fall. The young prince understands that Gondor will be attacked from both sides, Mordor and Isengard, the two towers. Faramir questions Frodo and Sam. He learns that Frodo is friends with Boromir, which is Faramir's brother. Uh, we do get, like I said earlier, we get more Boromir scenes, which I really enjoyed, really helps Boromir's character, but also really develops Faramir as well in the extended edition. You know, Boromir knows his father hates Faramir, and he tries to put him in his father's favor, makes him more likable, uh, makes Boromir more likable in this case. Uh, the real were, question... Were the flashbacks in the beginning of this movie before we met Faramir? I can't remember. No. No, they I don't were think so. No, this, yeah, it was... It was yeah. Okay, because I was about to say, that'd be... Okay, never mind. It was, it was after they told... Was it after Sam said that Boromir tried to take the ring? Was that when they had the flashbacks? Like we never met Faramir until this scene. Oh, it's it's right before it's right before it. Because well, uh, he he's going to mention right after this that uh this this, this the Smeagol swimming in the Forbidden Pool. So it's right before. Oh, yeah. he mentions it. It was right right after. Uh... He told them that Boromir was dead, and they had mentioned that they knew him, right? Maybe. It's all like simultaneous, maybe. Okay. <laughs> as long as as long as the flashbacks of Boromir take place after you met Faramir, and they give that reveal. Yes, I just I couldn't remember. Yeah, it's after after they're captured. So the real question here, okay? And I feel like this is a plot hole. 
The real question is, how does Faramir retrieve Boromir's body in the boat when it he went doesn't. over a waterfall? He doesn't. They found the horn. They found the horn. They never found the body. But the it shows washed. a sequence. It shows a sequence of him binding the body. That was a dream. Oh, because I didn't specifically say a dream. It was, yeah. it was foggy around the frame. It was a dream. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a dream sequence. Mm, I don't know. I'm at I'm at the uh <laughs> I'm at the holdout hope for that one. I don't know. I don't know. So Faramir wakes Frodo in the night and shows him Smeagol swimming in the Forbidden Pool. Entry into it warrants the death penalty. Frodo finally confesses that the creature is bound to him, and he is Smeagol, uh, which he earlier denied. Faramir allows Frodo to go to Smeagol, but takes him captive against Frodo's wishes, and suddenly Gollum reappears, taking advantage of Smeagol's vulnerability and turning him against Frodo. Gollum then takes over, firmly in control of the body. He tells Faramir about the ring, and that is when Sam reveals their true mission. Uh, let's see here. Osga, I'm, I'm going to fucking say this wrong. Osgiliath? Osgiliath. Osgiliath. Okay, I got it fucking misspelled right here. <laughs> Osgiliath. Gondor's frontier to the north is under attack and asks for their help. Informs Faramir's aid. Faramir decides that the ring will go to Gondor. Aragorn, now fully conscious, yet still wounded, uh, rides towards Helm's Deep after uh, spotting the advancing orc factions. By the way, how fucking long was that fucking river that Aragorn floated down? There's a lot of silence. <laughs> like it, it seems like it's not that long of a river. Yeah, like he just he floats down the river a little bit, but then you get to like the dudes on horseback over like snowy mountains and then like open plains. Did you? Did you notice that the horse, Bregos, is the one that he told him to release because they had seen too much war? It was Theodred's uh, horse before they left. This was uh, the first. Adris. Yeah, this was the first time that I caught that. All the previous times, ne never caught on to that. That that's a that's a first for me. I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's the one he told him. This horse has seen enough war. He's already got shell shock, guys. He's got PTSD. Like, let him go. He doesn't need any more of this shit. <laughs> but still, uh, then that other begs, that begs the question: How the fuck did the horse get down the fucking river like that? Like, that's a long fucking way. He he fucking hightailed it out of there, and then he ran into the Aragorn, and he was like, "Fuck this guy again!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's almost equivalent to like when we were driving past like an MVA. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I gotta get out. <laughs> you know, you know, the fucking horse was kind of like turned to the side. Like, oh, I don't fucking see anything. Oh, fuck, I don't man. see anything. Right. Can I crouch down a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> so, 10,000 strong, Aragorn reports to Theoden. The king of Rohan refuses to show weakness and prepares the fortress and the men. The orcs will arrive by nightfall, but Gimli warns that they aren't ordinary orcs. They're Urukai, a different breed. Theoden rallies his men, even preparing them for death. Aragorn asks Theoden to stand to send for help, but the king disregards the old alliances. Uh, no one will answer their call for help. They're all alone. Three hundred against ten thousand. 
Those are the odds for the men to overcome. Impossible, Legolas says. And not without a fight, Aragorn says, with his great line, and I shall die as one of them. Um, really fucking love this scene. Because up to this point, we've had Legolas and Aragorn. The dude, it's a fucking bromance, man. Fucking bromance. And this is the first time that we get some conflict between the two. And they even have a little bro hug uh, later on, which is nice. Uh, the sound of a horn snatches away the men at Helm's Deep from the dread of the incoming enemy. Reinforcements have arrived from Rivendell. Elrond has kept the word between men and elves. It is time for the final showdown. Around the neck and beneath the arms is a signal from Legolas to his fellow flock of bowmen. The first arrows are shot. And so it begins. Um, you know what's funny? What? There are no elves in this battle in the book. No, there's not. No. no. You don't you don't see any more elves in the entire series except for Elrond's two twin sons. That's it. Wait, I, I vaguely remember you saying something about that. Yep. Like previously. You're like Yeah, no, and the, the, that... the, the the movies have elves all all day long in it, but the books barely have them in it. Yeah, no. The Elrond sends his two sons to help out and Aside from that, it's just Legolas is the only elf out there. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, in the book, Elrond's sons aren't in this battle. That's later on. So it's strictly Legolas out there. Everybody else is a guy, and then you got um, Gimli as a dwarf. That's it. Mm -hmm. It was a nice touch for the movie, though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, they so filmed... 20 hours worth of footage to use 40 minutes for a battle. That's that was a long time. Was legitimately just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 20 hours of footage shot over a four month period with the rain machine battering down on the cast the entire time. How many gallons are we talking about here? Oh, it's gallons, sir. <laughs> it's, it's, it's copious. <laughs> Wait, are, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, the the water, the the rain machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was talking about. So I love the aesthetic and the design of the battle. We'll, we'll talk about Helm's Deep for a second, okay? Um, love of the aesthetic, the design of the battle, from it being like nighttime and then raining, and just like the the overall choreography, practical effects, and then the set design is just impeccable. Um. You know, I think nowadays, raining during a fight sequence is kind of cliche. I don't know. I, I don't remember any battle sequences like this back then. So I, I feel like this would be more original with the rain and whatnot. What um, year did this come out? 2002. 2000, give me one minute. I think there's only one other fight scene, not even battle, fight scene. 1999, Matrix had the rain fight scene. I don't know if that counts. Completely that's, different, though. That's the only... It, it is. It's a one-on-one -on -one kind of thing, but that's the only thing that even comes close. So to, to my memory, it's just the Matrix one-on-one -on -one fight scene in the rain versus this massive war scene in the rain. So now, nowadays, it's like every fucking fight scene has rain in it. Right. Or it's dark, which, by the way, <laughs> uh, 
uh, imagine, okay, I'm just gonna put this in perspective for y'all, okay? Imagine watching a dope ass battle scene where you can actually see what the fuck is going on. Um, I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones. Mm. Yeah, battle for Winterfell, guys. <laughs> I, I mean, I hate to turn this into a negative podcast, but uh, <laughs> battle Winterfell fucking sucked. <laughs> oh, actually, let me let me take that back. That battle sequence probably doesn't suck. It, I just can't see whether it's good or not. <laughs> and it was snowing during that, which is just frozen rain. <laughs> fucking man they they ruined that fucking show man there was there was so much okay i won't get i won't get on my fucking rant we'll, we'll we'll rant about game of thrones the final season for fucking two hours i know me and nick have done it before like all fucking day several times so also about this battle Gimli and Legolas's relationship really takes off here uh, for me. I know it technically kind of starts in the war fight, uh, but this is where they really get time to showcase that friendly, competitive nature of their relationship. Um, to me, it just adds some levity to a long battle sequence, and I don't mean that as a negative. That is 100% a positive when I say long battle sequence. And that surprisingly was in the book. Well, over them uh, having that competitive nature? The, the counting, mm-hmm. yep. Nice. Which one of the one of my favorite? I wouldn't say favorite moments, but a moment that I uh, just laughed out fucking loud is uh is a little bit later. So in the faraway corners of oh, excuse me, in the faraway corners of the forest, the Ents discuss whether or not to join the battle. They're slow to decide the central issue. They refuse to take part, but Mary knows the significance of this decision. Treebeard is told by Pippin to drop them south near Isengard instead of the west. He says they'll slip under the enemy's radar. But when they reach Isengard, Treebeard notices the uprooted trees and destroyed forest. He roars for support from his int mates, and they arrive in full numbers. They're going to war. Saruman's army is being given a tough fight by Theoden's factions, but the orcs have a strategy. They use Grimma's inputs and place bombs at the sewer's entrance, thus breaching the walls of the fortress. Uh, How dear the elvish captain falls as he sees hordes of his men lying on the ground. Um, when they blow up the the part of the castle, you know, Aragorn gets thrown, Howder gets gets stabbed. You're just to me, there's just something really fucking cool about. Aragorn ordering all these elves around and speaking Elvish in doing so, like that whole sequence when he uh, he orders them and then he fucking gets into like his battle position with the fucking sword, bro, bro. People were pregnant within a mile when I saw this. That's still it. Still didn't top Aragorn um, at the end of Fellowship though, when he just walks up, just let's go, bro. That's that. That's like comparing I'm apples saying. to oranges. Like, I'm just saying. That's like the greatest moment in the fucking trilogy. Of course, nothing's going to top that. <laughs> but yes, I do vividly remember Aragorn whipping his dick out in front of the Urukai in the uh, first movie. Fucking love that scene. Uh, let me see where my notes. Um. 
Where the fuck did I do? Oh, the men desperately try their best to keep the orcs from the gates. Aragorn and Gimli escape from the door on the side to execute a plan to stop them from breaching the door. Gimli asks Aragorn to toss him to the entrance of the gates to hold off the orcs. It gives them time to it gives time to the men to brace the gates with barricades. But the orcs are relentless. They attack from all ends in numbers that overwhelm the men. Theoden orders the men to fall back. The castle is breached, and all are ordered inside to uh, to retreat. I got a fun Bro- fact right here. All right. All right. You ready? <clears throat> Did you know who they originally filmed at Helm's Deep to throw that rope? No. Liv Tyler as Arwen. To throw the rope? So Arwen in the Two Towers the movie actually was at the Battle of Helm's Deep. Oh. She was there the entire time. That whole four months of filming and battle scenes and everything, she was there a part of the fight. And it wasn't until post-production they realized that, you know what? She wasn't there in the book, and it doesn't really make sense for her to be here now. So they actually digitally deleted her. She was, like, on the bridge, and they deleted her off the bridge. She threw the rope at one point for them to climb back up the wall. They deleted her and had Legolas throw the rope. And in the extended edition, when they're all right there where the gate falls and the orcs flood in, if you look on the staircase, you see Arwen right there. No fucking shit. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and look at this now. <laughs> and then there's another scene earlier on where you see her sitting on a horse inside of Helm's Deep. I never fucking do this. Yep. That is a great fun fact, sir. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Frodo, Faramir, and the others reach a burning... Uh, City, by nightfall, they'll be overrun. Frodo feels the eye of Sauron on him as the ring calls out for its master. Um, When Frodo and Sam are in there, Sam says, by rights, we shouldn't even be here. This was a nod to the deviation the screenplay had taken from the book's uh, storyline. In the book, Sam and Frodo never pass through uh, Osgiliath. Um, As Faramir asks his men to take Frodo and the ring to his father, the Nazgul's answer the call of the ring. They came in numbers to get it back. As Theoden is stunned by the defeat, Aragorn asks uh, uh, to shepherd the men. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that word is. <laughs> I know who that person is. To shepherd the women and children to the mountain pass to escape. Uh, Gimli remarks the sun is rising, and Aragorn is reminded of Gandalf's words. Theoden asks for the horn of the hammerhead to be sounded and rouses Aragorn to draw swords with him. Gimli blows the horn as the king's guard and Aragorn march with Rohan's banner. Uh, to the east, the white wizard arrives with the reinforcements, Eomer and his men. They descend fearlessly on their horses. The sunlight blinds the orcs as the horsemen make way and start taking them out. Uh, dope sequence, by the way. This is the uh, one of the coolest moments in the entire trilogy that I was talking to uh, talking about earlier. Uh, the day is saved and the men have victory living to see another one uh, Gandalf says Sauron's retribution will be harsher and they must be ready for the battle of Middle Earth the Ents are on the front uh, attacking the remaining orcs at Isengard Saruman runs out 
Hearing the commotion, Treebeard instructs the ants to break the dam and release the river. And so it unleashes, sweeping all in its way and destroying the orc mines and filling the holes that they dug into the earth. Frodo walks as a man possessed. Uh, he goes towards the Nazgul, but is saved by Sam. In a fit of rage, he draws out his sword to Sam's neck, but immediately realizes what he is doing. Um, it's your Sam, bro. Bro. <laughs> this is the moment, guys. <laughs> this is the moment we all know. It, it was a long journey, okay? It, it was a little lonely on his journey. I, I'm not knocking. Cold okay? nights, I'm man. Not... Cold nights. Did I send you the video yet from uh, Clerks 2? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, I'm doing it after this. So I sent me too. <laughs> but yeah, when he said, it's your Sam, I'm like, like <laughs> whatever man like hey no judgment no judgment uh also the whole competition between Gimli and Legolas comes to a uh comes to a close with 43 to 42 and then Legolas shoots an arrow between Gimli's legs and kills an orc that was twitching bro i legitimately laughed the fuck out loud on this one cuz Gimli is like or Legolas is like, yeah, he was twitching. And Gimli's like, yeah, because my, my axe is buried into his nervous system. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, I can't remember. Was that the theatrical edition? I don't, I don't believe it was. I haven't seen the theatrical in so long, but I'm pretty sure it was not. Yeah. I, I think he shoots him between the legs, and that's when it cuts, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I Honestly, I can't remember. I can't remember either. So Sam asks Frodo to keep going for the sake of the good in the world. We get this long, huge, we get this long monologue from uh, from Sam. Uh, even Smeagol is touched by his words. Uh, Faramir orders their release. Frodo and Sam once again embark on their journey to Mordor, now more determined than ever. Smeagol goes with them, but Gollum's hatred is too strong. He devises a plan to kill Sam and take the ring away from Frodo. But Smeagol says it is too risky, and suddenly it dawns upon him. She could do it. And he emerges and feigns being loyal to Frodo. And that is kind of where the that's where the movie ends. But I do want to point out something, and we I don't maybe I heard wrong or maybe I'm mistaken about it. Um but there's a plot hole right here. And this is kind of why I think the theatrical edition works a little bit better. So Faramir actually points out in the extended edition that there is a terror above Minus Mortal, right? Yeah, Minus Mortal, yeah. So Frodo and Sam already have been warned about this, about the, the fucking spider. Uh, but Gollum makes it out like they know nothing about the terror. Yeah, that was definitely a, an editing error. Yeah, so he mentions it in the extended edition. In the theatrical edition, he never mentions it. Right. So it, it works better for the theatrical. Um, so apparently it was clear to the writers from the beginning that the entire final sequence of the in individual novel, Frodo and Sam's encounter with uh, Shelob, which is the fucking spider, uh, would be part of the third movie, not this one. Uh, also, the confrontation with a, de with a defeated Saruman uh, at Isengard was deemed to be too anticlimactic and was therefore moved 
to the third movie as well. This tactical movement, the battle for Helm's Deep, became this movie's natural climax, which I don't know how y'all feel about that. Um, I'm definitely okay with that because the whole Shelob thing with the third movie kind of gives it some some tension and gives it a little bit more depth to me. Well, honestly, there wasn't enough for Frodo and Sam to do without Shelob. That's true. That's true. Because they really just walk. They're almost there. Right. And then in the movies, um, Christopher Lee was not even in the theatrical release of Return of the King. Correct. Correct. And him and Peter Jackson had bad blood after that. Really? Oh, God, yeah. Christopher Lee boycotted the Return of the King. Heresy. He did. He boycotted the whole thing because he wasn't in it. And then they kissed and made up, and he was in the Hobbit trilogy. Just sucks it was the Hobbit. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> and, and can we appreciate the final music sequence of Gollum's song playing in the background as it pans out? That song is just haunting. I I need to look up who actually did the score for this movie. Who? Um, Howard Shore. So let's look this dude up and see his fucking movies. So he did all of the Lord of the Ring movies. The, the the both trilogies of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. He did Eastern Promises, which I've actually mentioned that movie like twice in the last week, which is kind of weird. Um, Crash, The Departed, Silence of the Lambs, Twilight, Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, Seven. So I mean, some decent movies on here that he's done the score of. I would I wouldn't say that I just absolutely love those fucking scores for all those did movies, he, but did he do the score for Gollum's song or I would assume so. I don't know. It just I know that right I'm not gonna try and pronounce this name correctly, but it was sung by Emiliana Torini. Supposed to be sung by Bjork. Um but it was sung by her. But it doesn't go into detail about who made the score for it. Uh, Emiliana Torini. Yes. Uh, yes. So it was composed by that person, and yeah. So she did that, and then he did the rest of. It. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. But I mean, the whole fucking score for the entire trilogy is just absolutely phenomenal. I you mean, know, and I years passed the score started to drag on me towards the end because it was just this. No, 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 no. I'm taking it back. I'm, I'm, I'm reversing. <laughs> I was like, right. Crescent, no, we're going to drive to this house right now. And kill him. <laughs> back in the day, it was just like, I'm sick and tired of hearing the same shit over and over and over again. And now I'm watching the series. I've got, I've watched Lord of the Rings series like three or four times since we first discussed doing this deep dive. And not once have I been like, oh, it's that song again. It's, it's, they, they've changed it up enough throughout the whole trilogy that I'm just like, okay, they're keeping it fresh. I'm good with this. It's, it's kind of like hearing the, uh, 
like any Ann Jones theme song. It's like, dude, just fucking, dude, just, just fuck my face with it, you know? Just, just do it. Like I'm perfectly here. <laughs> but yeah, guys, that is it for the two towers. Um, our next episode is obviously the return of the king. Um, oh, I'm so I'm so ready to jump into that because I've seen the extended editions once before. This will be my second time. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to talk about that movie. But before we close out the two towers, I just want to mention that this time around, I feel like I like the two towers more. Even with the int stuff, like the int stuff kind of dragged it down a little bit. But in terms of everything else in the movie, I feel like I liked it more than I did. I, I didn't know if that was possible, but like Helm's Deep, I mean, obviously that's like one of the fucking the best battle sequence of all time, right? So I, I don't know if I could have loved that even more, but looking at it from a reviewer standpoint, um, I actually like it more than I than I previously did. Which again, I didn't think was possible. And then some of the uh, the quieter moments uh, in the movie uh, definitely uh, were improved for me this time around. The ints did not drag me down as much this time as they have in the past. And I, I strategically left the room during those sequences. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's because I read the book. And I knew more of the story behind it or what, but I was more interested in the ints this time around than I ever have been in the past. I may or may not have fast forwarded a little bit. <laughs> he said, yeah, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> I was, I was legitimately two weeks ago. I was legitimately dreading watching the end scenes. And it wasn't as bad as I remember. It, it's definitely one of those things when I go to watch the trilogy every year and I watch the first movie. First movie, obviously, top three all time for me. Um, when I get to the two towers, it's like, oh, bro, I got to get through the two towers to get to the Return of the King. And it's always the fucking it scenes that, like you said, just, oh, do I have to watch this? <laughs> But one one thing about this review series that has um, made me very happy and proud as a father is Logan is now asking me, hey, are we going to watch Lord of the Rings tonight? You fucking bet your ass we are, motherfucker. Let's fucking go do it. Linus too, man. Linus has been digging some Lord of the Rings. So I told him, he, he started watching The Two Towers with me. I said, bro, this has like a fucking amazing fight sequence in it a war sequence and it's like the best of all time in any movie and he's like oh my god yeah right i'm like yeah, but you're gonna have to wait through like three hours because it takes three hours to get to it <laughs> so he fucking fell asleep like right before the war uh sequence um so i was like fuck man like look at my watch i'm like i really need to fucking finish this movie but you know what i'm not gonna do it to the man i pushed pause and i came back the next day and i was like let's fucking get through this movie man <laughs> We, oh, let's back. I, I forgot to mention though, the the uh, at, was it before the war sequence? Whenever uh, Eowyn tries to feed uh, Aragorn that disgusting looking brain, the famous thing. soup. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was just the best like 
improv scene I could ever imagine. Like <laughs> <laughs> it pours it out. He takes a bite. He's like, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, bro, that looks fucking disgusting. <laughs> it it looks like you put soggy bread. Like you just dip bread in there and just left it in there for hours. <laughs> but yeah. Um I laughed at that scene. I don't I don't remember ever laughing at that scene, but I, I did enjoy it more this time around. And that wasn't in the theatrical. Uh handing him the soup was. But I, the the whole aspect of her turning and him pouring it out, I don't think that was in the I don't think that was in the theatrical. And they also in the theatrical never uh, disclosed the fact that he's eighty seven years old. Correct. Correct. Well, guys, do y'all have anything else you want to say about the two tires before we peace on out of here? Uh, That's no. it. That only took an hour and a half this time, so it wasn't as bad as we looking. Thought. Looking forward to the culmination. Oh, bruh, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the steep decline when we get to the hobbits. Hey, easy, easy. Me and Let's just enjoy this edging while we can. (laughs) Creston and I already talked. We're like, dude, he's going to say some shit about the Hobbit, and I'm going to have to strike him. (laughs) Rewatch them before you strike me. (laughs) Well, he's going to have to. Well, wait, Creston wants to strike me from the Hobbit movies? Yeah, we were talking about the Hobbits. I was like, "Hey, Nick's going. We're going to do the Hobbits after this." And he said, uh, "Yeah, but if he starts talking shit during the Hobbits, I'm going to slap him." <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand those movies. <laughs> oh fuck! Here we go. We, man. Might, we might have to do that series in the same house. <laughs> hey, we'll tell him. Uh, we'll tell him the wrong time for right. the recording. <laughs> Guys, y'all said seven o'clock. Oh, dude, we we fucking finished, man. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Oh, we were going on Eastern time. <laughs> but yeah, super excited for Return of the King. Um, ooh, again, I don't want to do future spoilers, but uh, that's a that's a that's a top twenty five movie of all time. I think it's in my top ten, if I'm not mistaken. If not, it should be. I'll have to look at. It. I'll have to look at my list again. But anyways, guys, we appreciate y'all joining us for the two towers again. Um, if you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash two game. All those links are down below. You can click on all that and send you to our social media accounts, to our merch. Uh, any support would be greatly appreciated. But just clicking on this video, subscribing to us is uh, is is good enough. So we appreciate y'all support watching us through this series and us talking about this trilogy that we all three fucking love. Uh, but with that, we're going to peace out of here. And we'll catch y'all next week for The Return of the King. Laters.